Good morning. Welcome to Grace. It's good to see everybody. And as others are making their way in, uh, hopefully you got a bulletin as you came in and you can follow along and be a part of the service. We encourage everybody to have one so that you can follow along in the confessions of our faith and as we share together in the Lord's Prayer. Let me remind you that the Lord's Prayer should be printed inside the red hymnal cover. And so if you have one that's not, you're welcome to let us know and we'll get a plate put inside that. Um, for those of you who need it, let me just begin this morning by reading our silent meditation and calling us to worship. The mainspring of our love for other people is the divine love shown to us in Christ's atoning work. Christians should love not because all those they meet are attractive people, but because the love of God has transformed them and made them loving people. They should love now not because attractiveness in other people compels their love, but because, as Christians, it is their nature to love. We'll be learning this morning all about what love is this as we continue the service. But let me call us to worship. If you would stand with me, please. And if you want to, we'll follow along in our next song right there in your bulletin. From Psalm 86, it says, There is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Men, you may be seated, and if you would, you've got a bulletin there. There are several announcements that are there. I'll let you read through those. We want to say thanks to everyone who helped with our hoedown last night. It turned out to be a wonderful gathering, and a lot of our children able to get together and line dance under the tents and fellowship in the fellowship hall. and. We thank everyone for the foods and the fellowship. It turned out to be a wonderful opportunity. So we say thank you. We also look forward to the meal right after this. For those of you who signed up for the newcomers uh, fellowship meal downstairs, I'll be hosting my pastor's class upstairs this morning so that they'll have a chance to finish, do things, set up. Um, so those of you who've been coming to the God's Promises class, um, we'll be meeting up here in the sanctuary this morning. Um, and then we'll be able to go downstairs afterwards. We invite you to come. If you weren't able to come to this one, I'm sure we'll have another one in the future. It's an opportunity for you to meet our leaders. Uh, so not only are some of the deacons or elders or some of our ladies' ministry leader, our men's ministry leaders, our different committees and ministry teams, we've got several different leaders to be here so that you can kind of see and meet those who are involved here at the church. And so we invite you uh, to be a part of any of those uh, meals in the future as you can. Uh, I was... Given a note by Christy, I hope I paraphrase this right, don't take the screen in the foyer um, as a substitute for signing up. I know we're trying to put things out there, get information out there, but if you're coming to an event, please respond to your emails. Your emails actually have a link that you can actually click on it, sign up, bring your family, and that way we know you're all coming and we can have things set up. So uh, if you're unable to sign up, we still want you to come, but it helps us tremendously, especially like the men's breakfast or the special things where food is provided. Um, sometimes people just see the picture, touch it, and think, okay, they're coming. Make sure you click on your email link so that you can say that you're coming so that we know we have the workers uh, that we need here and the appropriate amount of food as well. If you're visiting with us, we appreciate you coming. There is a blue card somewhere along the pew sometimes. Uh, if, if there's not one there, there's some in the foyer. We'd love for you to fill one out. Let us know who you are and why you chose to worship and visit with us. We'd love to be able to respond and just send you some information about our church or at least be able to contact you. We do a lot through emails, uh, especially because of the pandemic, but as people have moved forward, 
and got more computer savvy. We do a lot of information and announcements. Um, some even asked if the bulletin is still there, and that is true. Those of you who do get on it and see it, you can actually get the bulletin online at home ahead of time when all that information is sent out. So uh, if you need help with that, please let us know. We would be glad to come and help you set up what you need at your house to be able to do that. I think uh, the sound team said they would even buy computers for everybody who needed one. <laughs> I'm not sure that's how that went, but uh, we want to help you however it is for you to be a part of that as well. But other than that, let me open in a word of prayer, and then, if I can, we'll continue in our confession of faith that you will find on page 875 there in your hymn book as we go forward. But let me lead us uh, to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, I am so thankful for the grace that you give us, the undeserved, unmerited favor that we receive, that you loved us first that you sent your son this morning as we learned about the importance of this love that you have for us. Father, it's my heart's desire that if there is one who is hurting or confused or frustrated or, Father, just the anxiety of all that's happened is getting the best of them, that, Lord, you would take just a moment this morning with your Holy Spirit, remind us of the importance of the love that you have for us, how you fill us with your Holy Spirit, how your son Jesus has died for us, and lives beside you to reign over all that happens. Lord, just assure us that you have so many promises for us that are waiting to be fulfilled, and yet we're already receiving so many blessings we don't deserve. Please send your Holy Spirit here as we worship. We ask that it will be a wonderful time to do nothing but bring glory to you. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would join with me this morning... Take a moment to lead us in our confession of faith as we've been working through the catechism questions. You will see in your bulletin, those are questions 86 and 87. So we will start on the bottom of one page and continue on to the next. And so I will read the question. If you as a congregation will join together as we confess our faith together. Question 86 says, what is faith in Jesus Christ? Faith in Jesus Christ is saving grace, whereby we receive and rest upon him alone for salvation, as he is offered to us in the gospel. What is repentance unto life? Repentance unto life is a saving grace, whereby a sinner, out of the true sense of his sin, and apprehension of the mercy of God in Christ, doth with grief and hatred of his sin, turn from it unto God, with full purpose of and endeavor after new obedience. And what a blessing to know uh, that we have so much from the Lord, and how can it be that this person would do so much for us to bring us to faith in Jesus Christ? Before we pray together, our prayer of confession. Let me read to us. This is our call to confession. I'll be reading from Romans 12, 9 through 13. So this is God's word as we meditate on God's standard for us and how we need to come to him for forgiveness and grace. God's word says, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. 
Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. I hope you feel within yourself the desire to do those things, but also a humble acknowledgement that we, none of us, have done that the way that we know that we should. So let's go to the Lord together in prayer. Let's pray together the prayer that's printed for you in the bulletin. Almighty God, we confess how hard it is to be the people you have called us to be. You have called us to be the church, to continue the mission of Jesus Christ to our lonely and confused world. Yet we acknowledge we are more apathetic than active, isolated than involved, callous than compassionate, obstinate than obedient, legalistic than loving. Gracious Lord, have mercy upon us and forgive our sins. Remove the obstacles preventing us from being your representatives to a broken world. Awaken our hearts to the promised gift of your indwelling spirit. This we pray in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. And part of the Lord removing those obstacles is the promise that we are forgiven and the promise that he will be at work in us to help us to live that obedient life that he calls us to live to glorify him. So hear the assurance of pardon from Hosea 11. How can I give you up, O Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? How can I make you like Admah? How can I treat you like Zeboim? My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my burning anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim. For I am God and not a man, the Holy One in your midst, and I will not come in wrath. We know this is true because Jesus came and took the wrath that was coming to us. In love, he laid down his life and died in our place so that we would live through him. So if you are trusting in Jesus Christ, if you mourn over your sin, if you want to live this godly life, be assured that Jesus has forgiven your sin, that he is with you, that he will help you to keep walking with him. Amen. You may be seated, and I hope you brought your Bibles with you so that you could follow along as we've been studying through the book of 1 John. It has been a, a journey all about doctrine or truth, love and obedience, the morality of how we should live, and righteousness in the eyes of God. And this morning I titled this, if you wish, What Love Is This? It's the time that John begins to focus more in on this aspect of love, of how we treat one another and why it is that he commands us to do so. It's amazing that we live in a world today that we have said so many times before, love does not really matter at times. We use the love in so many frivolous ways that when you tell someone you love them, we must clarify. It's amazing how we live in our own worlds, my own self, I humble myself before you and would say to you that I love my family more than anything else in the world. My children, most important thing to me, beside my wife. And yet I would ask myself sometimes, why is it that I get so frustrated or why is it that I would say certain things when yet I know in my heart 
I love them dearly. Does that love really change me? Or is it a worldly love that I love them as a father would love a child that has to because there was no choice? Do I love them because they're now my responsibility and therefore I work and take care of them so that I'm a dutiful servant in the community? See, when we say we love someone, John is confronting all of us as Christians because he says, if you don't know God, you don't know what? Love. When you say you love as a Christian, you're telling the world there's something different about you. It's your apologetic defense. That's what apologetics is. If you love apologetics, we've had it for years in the making. It's the defending of our faith. Peter tells us to always be ready to give a defense of the hope that is within us. We should always be ready to defend the gospel and why we raise our children the way we raise them, why we send them to the schools we send them, why we uh, work the jobs we work, and why we spend the money the way we spend it. There's always a defense of our faith. It's called apologetics. It's no different than when you bump into somebody at the store and you say, I apologize. It's the Greek word that we get in apologetics that is the defense of what happened. When you apologize to someone, you're defending what just took place. Now, here's the problem. Many times we have learned how to use an apology just to get what we want rather than defending the truth of what's taken place. And it's no different with our love. We have learned to use that word to get what we want. And it does not satisfy what John says Christians ought to be. What love is this? Look at verse 7 of chapter 4, beginning in verse 7, I'll read. Some Bibles have the headings, as we've said before. They're not in the originals, but it says, God is love. Listen to verse 7, chapter 4 of 1 John. Beloved, let us love one another... For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another because no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us And his love is perfected in us. What love is this? Let me take us on a journey as we prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper this morning. To be able to commune together at the table in which we say we belong to him. In which we say we feed upon him. In which we say he has changed us and made us what he wants us to be. As we prepare our hearts to know that without him we would be nothing. And yet here in 1 John I'll give you several things to try to help out. What love is this? First of all, this love that John speaks about 
first of all, reveals God's nature. This is the love we're talking about. Listen to what he says in the first verses. Love is from God, but whoever loves that has been born of God knows God. Why? Because you cannot love if you don't know God, because God, what? Is love. You see, John is taking this a step further. We're not talking about a characteristic of God. We're not talking about his strength. We're not talking about the things he accomplishes in providence. We're talking about his essence of who he is. The characteristics that we get throughout Scripture of his nature is that God is spirit. That's not what God does. That's who God is. He is spirit. He is not like man. He is not limited to time and space. He is not bound by this thing that we call time. He's above and beyond it in a place of eternity. It's his nature to be above all things. We're also told that God is light. I want you to think about that. It's not that just God provides us light. It's not just that God has us given us the ability to see things more clearly as a light. It's about his nature. God does not do light. God what? Is light. And John plays on that and he says, just as there is no way to separate sun from heat, there's no way to separate ocean from wet, there's no way hardly to separate mother from child, there's no way to separate God from spirit or God from light, and there is no way possible to separate God from love. It is his nature. It is who he is. And that's why it is so important for us to understand what John is writing. Because every event in your life, every circumstance you ever face, can never be outside love. Paul wrote it in Romans when he said, all things work together for what? For good. Well, how could he say that? It's because God never acts outside of love. He cannot. Everything that has happened in your life, every place you've ever been, every decision you've ever made. Oh, you may look at it and say, oh, I, I know I sinned. I know I've done things I shouldn't. But you don't realize it's never outside the boundaries of who God is. And when you become a child of God, born again, born from above, when the Holy Spirit has changed your life and brought you in, you've been adopted as a child of God, you are never outside the boundaries of who God is. He loves you. Here's the hard part. If God is love, we claim to be in God, then we, sh we too should live in what? I know this sounds like a hard, hard task, but maybe it's fair to say we should never respond to someone outside the boundaries of the love of God. Yes, Jesus was angry, but never outside the boundaries of love. Jesus confronted sin within the boundaries of who he was because he could not step outside that. You can always be angry and never have to be hateful. You can always work through situations and never try to demean and be ugly. You see, Christians are different. We'll learn as we go on. John is writing, what kind of love is this? It's a love that reveals God's nature, not only that he is love. I hope you read this a little deeper. Let me give you a few verses in verse, especially 7 and 8, when it says, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Folks, 
let me give you a big word. Not only does he reveal God's nature, he reveals God as the Trinity. Do you know we hear all these places in Scripture about it's at the baptism when God speaks and Jesus is there and the Spirit as a dove descends. We have the words in 1 John, where is the witness of the word, the water, and the blood. But folks, listen to what he's saying here. It is God who is love. And in the very next verse of of verse 9, he says, and in this the love of God was made what? Manifest. John would write in the gospel and say the word became what? Flesh. Don't miss this. What is so unique about the love is that this is God love. This is who God is. It's God the Father. He is complete love. And it is in God the Son, the one who is manifest. He is complete love. And go down to verse 12. We won't go to 13 yet, but it's there too. Let me read them. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God what? Abides in us. Look at verse 13. He has given us his what? Spirit. Folks, isn't that amazing that we live in a world that wants to tear apart God and that's why they don't understand love because they're trying to separate God from Jesus and Jesus from the Spirit and Spirit from God and we want to have the love of the Father but we don't need Jesus or we want to have Jesus but we don't need the Spirit realm. You see, John is simply saying, folks, as a child of God, you must understand God's nature just as you cannot separate Him in the triune personhood you cannot separate God from love if you're here this morning and claim to be a child of God you are in a sense love because you are filled with his Holy Spirit who is what love it taints it changes it shades it overcomes every response we have. What a difference we would make in the world, we will learn. If we could even express ourselves when we're frustrated, when we're anxious, when we're scared, when we're trying to accomplish tasks, if we just did it without always separating ourselves from love. You see, God can't do that. And that's why when you sin and God restores you, he does it in what? Love. That's why when you run away and he brings you back, he does it in what? Love. That's why when you have fallen and need to be picked up, he does it in what? Love. He cannot be separated. I want you to know this morning, what love is this? It's a love that reveals who God is. But that's not all. John goes a little bit farther. He says, not only does this love reveal who God is, this love regenerates us. It changes us from within. Look at what it says there in verse 9 and 10 and following. There's several things that go together in this that we, he was made manifest among us. He sent his son in the world. Why? That we might live. That's called regeneration in Scripture. It's how God moves to work in your heart to change you so that the things you hate you now love and the things that you didn't want to do you now want to do. It's the great open heart surgery that we always talk about, that somehow miraculously God reaches down into your life, grabs that heart of stone, which you learn in Jeremiah, pulls it out, reworks it, has the bypasses. And folks, I know we have surgeons today that can save your life through heart surgery, but not a one of them can save your soul. Only the great physician can do the bypass in your life that will save your soul.
It's called regeneration. Why is it called regeneration? He goes a little bit further. He explains it in the same passage. It's in this love, not that we loved God, but that he what? He loved us. Do you see the argument that's going on here? It's because we live in a world that says, well, when I need God, I'll go love him and ask him to help me. When I'm in a situation when I need his help, I'll make sure God knows I love him so he'll show his favor on me. And when I think I need God to shine forth more and have more providential care, well, then I'll do more and act right and I'll accomplish more so that he'll bless me more. It's always that we move first. Oh, I love how the little children's song sings it. Oh, Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible, what? Tells me so. And folks, if you understand that, what the Bible tells you about that love is that he loved you first. That's regeneration. It's his working in your heart. It's him changing you. You didn't just wake up today and say, you know what? I'm tired of living the life I'm living. I'm tired of having the frustrations I'm having. I'm tired of going through all that's going on. I'm tired, I say this gently, of this hell that I'm facing. I'm ready to go to heaven. God, I'm here. What can I do for you? Regeneration is no, you are headed to hell and you are in confusion and you are hurting and you don't know the right steps. You've tried all the right moves. You've seen everything in this world. You've been to all kinds of counselors. You've been to all kinds of advice. You've got all kinds of degrees and educations behind you. You have all the things that you need in this world and you're still lost and stone cold. And it's then when you bow down on your knee drop to your face in the quietness in front of that phono stereo for me. Whatever it takes, Lord, I'm not sure. But I know I'm not right. I know I'm not right. And I want that love that you've revealed to me. Love me, please, Lord. Love me. If you haven't begged for God's love, you don't understand God's love because it's undeserved, unmerited, unearned, and it's only given to those whom he loves. Oh, Lord, when he touched my heart through a small little book, through the pamphlets that are shared, we never know, but when it finally regenerates, it's when you say, I'm yours. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Oh, and some of the greatest words of the song, Thou art the potter, I am the clay. You see, that's what it means. That's this love that John is talking about. It's a love that reveals God's nature because you can't love something you don't understand. Those God reveals himself to you. He begins to tell you about who he is. Whether it's through the creations of the world, we learn in Romans that we all know that we ourselves are not God. That's what that means. General revelation is not enough to save you. We are not naturalists. Oh, as much as I love John Denver singing, I always have. There's been a glitch to that that I like. I know his beliefs were wrong. Oh, there's no tree that I could sit under. There's no ocean I could fly over. There's no place I could resound in which God reveals himself in a personal relationship. What I do believe is that nature makes it very clear that I am not the one that created all these things. There is someone greater than I who controls this entire universe.
and I'd sure like to be on his side. You see, God regenerates us through his son. That's why he says that we might live because there is no life if you don't have Jesus Christ. There is no love that's truly shared without Jesus Christ. We do not understand how it works. This trinity, this all-in-one, makes all the sense to me. When someone said one time years ago, Pastor Andy to me said, Jerry, we realize the truth of the trinity because in the Old Testament, we know God worked wholeheartedly and full-handedly. And we know in the New Testament, he walked among us in his son, Jesus Christ, and we beheld his glory. And today he fills us with his spirit so the truth be told, he has never left us nor what? Forsaken us. There's never been a moment of time in which the love of God has not been active and real on this earth. The question is, do you understand what love this is? It's God's nature. It reveals him to us. It regenerates us that we might live through him. Write this down, it restores us. That's what he says he does. It comes down to the very beginning of the situation in verse 10 when he says, it is in and through his son that it is a propitiation for our sins. For the Greek scholars out there, that's the Greek word hilasmos. We talked about it in chapter 2. It's translated many times an expiation for our sins. It's the atonement that has been made. And if you put it all together in hilasmos, we've said this before, it's that sacrificial atonement that has appeased the anger of God and made us right with him. It has restored the relationship. It doesn't just reconcile and bring back together. Catch this. It restores us. And what does it restore us to? I can only give you two relationships that seem so perfect that I wish I had in the New Testament. Oh, I love King David and would love to have his power at times. The beauty that he saw and the things that he was able to accomplish. I loved Solomon. I loved how he accomplished many things and the wisdom that was about him. I actually loved Jeremiah. I love how he proclaims the truth. If I could be a Daniel in the midst of all the persecution and stand up. There are so many that I would want to be like, but there's only two that I really cherish most, and that's Adam and Eve. I wonder what it would be like to be in a perfect, wholesome relationship with God, even just for a short period of time. And yet the Bible tells me now, Jerry, it is through Jesus Christ. It is through God's love for you, manifested through his son, so that you can have indwelled in your life that same relationship. That's why you can be restored. Do you see, it's like saying, you know what it was like in the beginning when it was that good? That's what you can have in Jesus Christ today. It can be that close, so close that he now indwells you. So not only does this love regenerate us and restore us, but listen to what it says. It renews us. It tells us right here, beloved, let us love. We also ought to love. Why? Because God abides in us. You're not the same creature. One of the most wonderful things about being saved is you really have changed. People can change. People can be different. 
It doesn't have to be the same old humdrum. It doesn't have to be repetitive. You don't have to expect the same scenarios. But it's only in Jesus Christ. It's only in understanding who God truly is. It's only in seeing how he regenerates and restores us that we finally realize that you can be new. Behold, old things are passing away and all things have been made what? New. Oh, what a blessing for those of you who've lived long enough to serve in a military form or fashion or in a society together with others and you've watched them serve. You've known them for years. You've worked alongside them and you saw them in the hatred, hurtful, unhelpful way they lived. There's no better time when you meet up with them and they say, man, let me just tell you something. I know there's a lot to catch up on, but let me tell you something. Jesus changed me. He touched my heart. He forgave me. I'm now a child of God. I'm different. And I want, oh, it's so hard for us to want to accept that when we have this bitterness, this picture of hatred, this picture of hurt, this picture of fear. We have all these things in our lives of these people because we don't truly understand that God changes people when he pulls their heart out and does this wonderful surgery and puts it back in there and restores this right relationship. They now know love like they've never known love before. You see, it's not until you are saved that you understand love at all. That's why John's words, not mine, if you don't know God, you don't know love because you are unable to even understand what a relationship is supposed to be. Oh, what love is this? It's a love that reveals God's nature. It's a love that regenerates us, a love that restores and renews us. But finally, look at verse 12. It's so important. It's a love that is perfected in us. It's a love that has a remarkable witness. Isn't it amazing? that we're living in a lost world and we're so apt and ready to tear this world apart with all of its failures. I've heard the same phrase I've heard since I was a child from anybody who's all involved in the church that anytime a change would come, anytime something would happen, we're all headed to what? The phrase I always heard was we're headed to hell in a handbag. The world's changing and what are we gonna do about it? It's falling apart. I've shared once before, Nick and I have talked, the leader of our denomination now has shared so many times that we are now split down the middle in a generation of leadership. Because if you're older than 50, which I barely make, then you've lived in the moral majority all your life. If you don't like things, you take it to the politicians, you take it to the people who represent you and you pass laws and you legislate morality, you legislate Christianity. It's why we all understood who the focus on the family was, who Jerry Falwell was, what liberty was, what the religious right stood for. Folks, those were all terms, if you're old enough and understand, that if you didn't get what you wanted, you went to the polls and you changed it because the majority would support it. If you're younger than 40, you don't understand the moral majority because there are not enough Christians in the United States to gain the ground to pass the laws that are needed to live the way you want to live. 
You're not going to change society by passing laws. You've learned you have to change the world by sharing Jesus Christ. Becoming a picture of who God is and that there is a love worth finding. Yes, those are the words. Listen to what it says. No one has ever seen God. When Moses had a chance to glimpse him from behind, when he saw him in the bushes, we could come up with the glimpses. We've seen the manifestations in Melchizedek, you could call as the angel manifestation of who God. Man, we have all kinds of pictures. We've even seen Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, but we've never been able to see him in his spirit for who he is. But catch this. If you want the true picture of God, not my words, John's. You ought to be able to look at any one of his children and see him clearly. That's the remarkable witness he's placed in us. If you were truly living the life of a child of God, regenerated, restored, and renewed, and that you handled the situations in the love of this triune God who cannot be separated from love, then when people watched you respond to things in the world, God would reach right through you and they would say, I want to have what you have. I want to know what you know. I want to experience what you experience. And what you don't realize is it had nothing to do with you. It had to do with he who is in you that is greater than he that is in the what? World. It's God demonstrating his love, reaching down to others first. And what a remarkable witness and privilege to know that God did it through me. A broken marred vessel. And yet if I would just live God's love, the world could be changed and made new. What love is this? It's the love that John says reveals the truth who God is. It reveals the righteousness in how we should live and the moral obedience as to how we should treat one another. For again, John said earlier in chapter 3, verse 16, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the others, the brothers. This morning, we have a chance to commune and actually experience the grace and the increasing of our faith through the sharing of a communion. For the real spiritual presence of those who belong to Jesus Christ, we have a chance to say, if you're here this morning, increase my faith, Lord, and maybe more fitting, increase my love. Increase my love that I might be the remarkable witness 
I'm supposed to be. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that you reached down from the portals of heaven to me. That you would pull me out, broken, scarred, and marred, crumbling, set aside, to be thrown away, and chose to live in me, and that you would use me, that you would be a light shining through me, you would be a spirit living through me. And you would be love abiding in me. That you might change your world and love them first. So help me, Father. Love first. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm going to invite you in just a moment as we commune together. Uh, I'll be reading from 1 Corinthians as we share together the Lord's Supper. If you're here visiting with us, let me remind you that if you're a member of a church in good standing, you've made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ, you uphold the keys of the kingdom if you wish. It's the discipline of the Lord, the preaching of the gospel, holding up those truths. You don't have to be a member of this church in order to commune with us. But I also want to say it this way. If you are not a Christian, you've never made a profession of faith. You've never trusted in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. I ask that you not take as we pass the trays. I'll read some things together with you, but this is for those who belong to Christ. The meal does not save you. It is for those who are already saved. It is a chance for us to commune together, to have our faith strengthened, and to have the spiritual presence of the Lord touch our hearts. Yes, if you're here this morning and you say, yeah, but things aren't right in my life, I shouldn't take. Just knowing that things aren't right in your life is the first step of God revealing to you what he wants to do. If you've never made a profession of faith, listen to me clearly. Even in the time in which we're passing this, you don't have to take. You can know that it's the simple words that Jesus said, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Saved. Lord, I am a sinner. I need to be restored. Your love has touched me, changed me, and I need to be forgiven. I want it to be used by you, restored, and to be a witness the rest of my lives. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God's raised him from the dead, you shall be what? Saved. Let's not make salvation difficult. What makes it hard is when people look at us and can't see who it is that lives in us in a clear way. I'm going to invite those who are going to help me this morning. Come, we'll begin to pass out, and then I'll read together some things. Again, as they come to pass out, if you would please take one of these. We've cut them up into pieces. Go ahead, guys, if you'll come. I'm just asking as we pass these, take one, hold it, pass the tray, and hold it until we can all eat together. And while they're passing that out, if I can please read, if you would listen. Again, in the following instructions, I do not commend you because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. 
from the first place when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you in order, if you wish to say, that those who are genuine among you would be recognized. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat, for in eating, each one goes ahead with their own meal, goes hungry, one gets another, and one gets drunk. But what is this? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in, or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. Here's why. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take just a moment, and let's pray as we pass out the elements that we would remember just what Jesus has done for us. Let's take a moment of silence. What has Jesus done for us? Let's pray. Father, we were broken. We needed to be mended. We were hurting. We needed to be healed. We were searching. We needed to be found. We were lost. And you saved us. Father, it was through your son, Jesus Christ, who reached down from the portals of heaven and gave himself to us. Father, not because we deserved it or we earned it. Even when we mocked and ridiculed, even when we became enemies of the cross, he cried out, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, thank you for loving us first. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. It was there at the table that they met together that he said, this is my body broken for you. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat. If you would please just take one and hold it until we can all take together. Please listen. When Christ appeared as the high priest of good things that have come, and then through the greater and more perfect tent, one that was not made with hands. It was not of this creation. Christ entered once for all into the holy place, not by the means of the blood of goats or calves, but by the means of his own blood. And thus he secured eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer can sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, how much more will he purify our conscience from dead works to serve a living God? He was there around the table that the disciples met with him. And in the same way as Paul was writing that this was his body shed for them. It says in the same way also he took the cup after the supper 
saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the blood of the Lord. And so let each person examine himself, and then so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning this body eats and drinks judgment on themselves. Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, we are reminded of the blood of your Son. It is only through his blood through the sacrifice of himself, he being our high priest, that we are able to find forgiveness. Lord, I pray whatever our sins, whatever our failures, that we will wash them under the blood of Christ, that we will trust that the sacrifice he made was for eternal redemption. And that we share together in eating and drinking because we confess you until Jesus comes again. In his name I pray. Amen. He took the cup after the supper and he said, this is my blood, the new covenant poured out for you. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Let's drink. If you would, join me together as a body in praying together the Lord's Supper. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Uh, but if you would receive the benediction, Paul simply said to me, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with all God's children. And they said, Amen. Amen. Have a great Lord's Day.